Okay, so everybody, I think uh, Vin is out there somewhere. How are you doing today, Vin? I am. I'm doing fine. Just lovely. I would, I would expect nothing less from, uh, from Vin. So, um, so Vin, I don't know if you um, entered the free bagpipe giveaway on Facebook. I did, except my shares are probably paltry in comparison to some. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that drawing is right now at Dojo Universe, and as you can see, people are foaming at the mouth. Now, it's not guaranteed that um, there aren't some people here, but if you look at the participants, um, everybody with a star um, is someone that uh, was entered in the contest. Um, and then some people could have not gotten the star, but you can see we got quite a few star guests. So welcome to Dojo Universe. Are you guys um, out there and hearing us okay? Hopefully. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah, like um, a lot of people have signed up, but they're regular Dojo U people too. So um, Everybody eager for the chance yeah. You said a bagpipes? Love that. That'll yeah, nice. Brad, Brad uh, doesn't have a star. And see, that's um, because that's a cookie thing. So your browser cookies probably didn't accept the star. But that doesn't mean you're not a star in our book, Brad. You, you are a star to us. But anyway, um, we'll go over to um, – in a second, we'll go over to how the drawing is going to work. Um, but some interesting stats – is that we had just over 600 people enter the contest. So you can start to calculate your odds. Um, we had just just over 600 uh, uh, registrants, which is really cool. On a set of bagpipes is, is, is high out there. Yeah. I mean, the desire to own one without having to pay any money is a lot of money, <laughs> or is a, is a lot. And then uh, let's see, what else we got? Um, and in a second, we'll actually show you the pipes because they're here, um, and um, Carl can show you them in a second. And then what's the other thing I wanted to say? Oh, yeah. So, so we did mention that sharing um, the um, sharing the post would give you increased odds of winning. And just a, a couple of interesting uh, a couple of interesting stats. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but the winning number of shares. Do you have any guesses? Does anyone have any guesses for the most number of shares in the contest? Some paper out there. Spending over a thousand. Oh, geez. Okay, it's not that much. That's too high. Oh, that, that, that was a diagnosable condition. I think if you had a thousand or more shares. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, these are all really good guesses. The winning number of shares, I think, is. Uh, 139 shares. So, um, so that's the winning number. Um, now, you, you can still win even if you didn't share, um, and we'll talk about that more in just a second. Let's go to um, this window, and then maybe Carl can come on and just give us a little tour of what people are going to – well, of what a special person is going to win. So um, here we go. We, we kind of did this last week as well, but here are the McCallum P0s. Um, they're an excellent quality instrument and nearly indestructible. Um, so they'll come like this with some lovely cords, a bag cover, and a bag. Um, but uh, if you want drone reads, um, you, you're going to have to get those. Um, but it comes with everything you see here, which is exciting. Um, we weren't sure that it was going to come with a bag, so um, kind of an added bonus that we didn't tell you about. So here we are, plastic through and through. Um, the neat part about this is that all of these are done on a CNC mach uh, mill machine that uh, every piece is produced identically, um, all down to thousands of an inch um, for, for all the measurements there. So these are really, really super accurate um, pipes, and they sound really good because of that. Um, there's no chance of the wood deforming um, or coming out of the uh, perfectly round uh, 
they're they're really great. I, I quite enjoy playing uh, poly sets. They're 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 fun to play now. Um, now I, I say now because some some of the original ones weren't as as good quality or, or good tonal quality. They were still kind of developing it. Um, not necessarily in the McCallum, but just in general. Um, and uh, now I think they're really fantastic. It's very hard to tell the difference. So um, there we are. You do get a channel with it as well, a McCallum um, standard band channel. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What else do we need, need to know about it, Andrew? <laughs> I think that's it. Let's um, have you mute your mic because it's feedback yes. as it always does. I don't know what's up with that. We'll fix that someday. Um, so we're going to take paint. What's that? How do they take paint? My my first instinct is to paint the drone tops different colors. I don't know. It might be just yeah. me. If you used an enamel paint, that might work. I don't know. Certainly could try. <laughs> no, Vin, if you win, you can do that. And we look oh. forward. Oh, I will. We look forward to seeing... Um, <laughs> We look forward to seeing uh, just how they look. So, so here's how the drawing is going to work. All right. So, the first thing it's actually going to be in a couple of steps. Okay. Whoops. Let me and I'll start my webcam again here. Um, so the first step is we're going to randomly draw ten names out of the list of over 600 people, and we'll show you how we're going to do that in a second. Um, now, here here's how it's going to work. Um, if any of these top 10 point winners that you see below, so there's two, there's two ways of getting points. Okay, one way of getting a point is to be one of our top sharers, and then the other way of getting a point is being one of our top networkers, right? So just because you shared the post doesn't mean a whole bunch of people became our Facebook friend as a result, right? So however, we were able to track of the people that were sharing us, how many people actually got um, people to become the Piper's Dojo's Facebook friend, right? Which is, that was the purpose of this contest for us as a business is um, to spread awareness about us and stuff. So, um, so you get a little bit of an extra chance of winning if, um, if your name is one of the 10 names that's drawn. Okay. So let's say um, we draw 10 names and one of them is one of these top 10 sharers. Okay. That means they're going to be the winner. All right. However, if none of the top 10 point winners are drawn, um, we're going to do a second drawing of the top 10 to determine the winner. Everybody following me so far? All right. Then the next thing is, if more than one of these top 10 point winners are in the final 10, that, you know, like, so if there's a tie among maybe two people that are in the top 10, then we're going to randomly draw between those two to decide who the winner is. So is everybody everybody clear on the rules? And did I did I screw anything up? I think we're good there. What do you think, Ben? That makes sense. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes sense. And and we'll do it. And uh, I think we're going to go for it. And uh, we'll see what happens. So the next thing I want to do is I want to share my random number generator. I think people's hearts are pounding out there, Ben. I think so. Those pipes look pretty sweet. I think you're right. So here's my here's my clever plan for my random number generator. There we go. <clears throat> so um, can you guys see the random number generator there? And and then now what I also have what I have to do is let's see here. I have to bring up my spreadsheet. Hold on one second. I'll bring it up over here on this computer. Um, and then um, I have Carl here as my witness, uh, but I do I, I don't want to put the spreadsheet up because uh, people's information are on it, so you're not actually going to be able to see it. But um, it, Carl, if you want to come over here and confirm, you know, sometimes just a raggedy hat and some slips of paper do just as well. You know, old school. Yeah, but the raggedy hat for 602 online entries. So Carl, <laughs> come over here. We have uh, one through 600 names. Although there seems to be one. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yes. So we have the grand total is 603. So what I'm going to do on my random number generator. Now, by the way, this is no average 
random number generator here, okay? Um, you know, we do it up right here. This random number generator takes um, atmospheric noise to produce the random numbers. It's not some algorithm because that wouldn't be truly random. So this uh, random number generator is the real deal. There's no way anyone, including the NSA, could tamper with this random number generator. All right, so, um, yep, so the first name, all right, the first name between 1 and 600, the first number is generate 180. 180. Can everybody see that? Okay, so the first name is going to be number 180. Which is scroll all the way up to 180. The first name is Jake Allen. Jake Allen is the first name. Is he one of our top sharers? No, not one of our top sharers. Jake is the first guy. All right, next one. is 526. Ready. This is, is, every, is everyone having as much fun as I am? 526. Tom Crawford. Is he one of our uh, top sharers? I don't think so. So we're still safe. Still safe from the top sharers. All right, next one. 294. Remember, this is taken from atmospheric noise. Oh, wow. I know Chance. Chance Bell is the third name. Remember, taken from atmospheric noise, people. All right, next one. 319. Pat McLaughlin is number four. Isn't this exciting? I'm really excited. Exciting. I keep I keep saying that because uh, I know this is kind of boring. So here we are, five thirty-two. Lots of three-digit numbers coming up there. Are you questioning the atmospheric noise? <laughs> five thirty-two is Glenn Baxter. Next, 286. 286 is, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this, Tim Dietman. Next up, 517. The atmosphere seems to be favoring the 200s and the 500s. It seems like... Is this a spreadsheet in randomized order as well, or is this just an order of people entered? Uh, it is not an order of people entered. It is, um, uh, I would say, it's fairly well shuffled to begin with. 517 was Lester Greel. <laughs> Next, 236, another 200. 236 is, keep losing, losing sight of it, Scott Rotkowitz is that one. And then let's see, number nine, 153. You have people's locations on this spreadsheet as well? Like what's, what's the, uh, the, the region distribution? Um, it's all over the place. We don't have uh, geographics for everybody, just some people. Um, but this is Luke Saucier. Uh, I don't think we have a... Uh, no, yes, from Luke's from Quebec. Um, all right, and then the last name. If it's not you, this is your last chance. You have a one in 
I never feature in these kinds of things anyway. You have a one in 593 chance of this name being your name. It's good odds, better odds than the lottery, that's for sure. Way better odds. So here we go, last number. 127. Mark Earnhardt. All right, so there are the top 10 names. Now, do we have any um, top 10 networkers or sharers in this list? Doesn't look does like anybody, it. Does anybody out there see them? I don't want to miss it because I don't want to screw it up. Terry says no, and I think you're correct mm -hmm. about that. Okay. All right, so to determine the winner, uh, we are now going to generate a number. Now, I'm just going to press it a couple times to make sure we are generating, we are indeed generating numbers between 1 and 10. Okay, great. So um, now you see the numbers next to the names here, 1 through 10 in the notes. So whatever the next number is that comes up, is going to be the winner of the set of I don't know. I can't handle the intensity. I can't handle the stress. Um, how are you? How are you handling it, Vin? I'm very sad. You're sad. See, you're <laughs> bumming. I resent myself for not winning because I never win these kinds of things. Um, if you're looking at the spreadsheet, you'd realize just how distant your odds were. Are there any? Are there any drummers available for a roll? I can do a little roll. Okay, next number. Carl, you don't look ready for this. Oh, I'm ready, man. You're ready? Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to give away a $1,000 set of pipes. Well, I think we're going to do it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. To, uh, okay, guys. I changed my mind. We're going to not. We're going to. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Next number. Seven. Lester Greel is the big winner. Woo. Lester out there? Is Lester out there today, I wonder? Or does anyone know Lester? The big winner. The big winner. Any Lesters out there? Must not. Oh, I do see a less. There is a less out there. But it's probably not the same less. Um, but anyway, we'll be contacting um, Lester. Um, on uh, on that in that regard, um, now on the off chance on the off chance that uh, Lester never responds to our emails or calls us back within like a week, we need to have a runner up. So the runner up is going to be Mark Earnhardt is the runner up. All right, and then we'll have one more runner-up in case neither of them get back to us. Oh, it's Lester again. Uh, okay, and that's Tom Crawford is the second runner-up. So, so Tom, you know, if you're listening and you listen to this at some point, you could you could plot your assassination network now to make sure that oh. Lester and Mark do not. You're really bitter. You're you're really bitter about losing this, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Cut some fine right. wires, you know, sabotage our connections. Wow, you are, uh, this is, uh, this is getting a little bit crazy for my tastes here. All right, cool. So I have, I have all that record stored. So congratulations to Lester. Um, where is Lester from? Uh, let's see. I have to search my spreadsheet because I don't remember where he was. I do not actually have that information. I don't have everybody's location, so. Uh, but Lester is the big winner, and we'll be contacting him, and then if for some reason we can't get a hold of him, we will go uh, to our runner-up. Besides which, I don't think at this point it would be safe to tell you where he, were, he was from because Vince is, you know, putting... Wise, that's probably wise, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. That, this is just, uh, it, things are always controversial. I mean, listen to what Vin has said in the past. <laughs> Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, the guy's the guy a madman. The guy is a madman. So anyway, thank you, everybody, for uh, participating in that. Should we do more of those? Like, what's, what's the feedback in the audience? Should we do more of the Facebook promotions? Um, or was it kind of lame? And I'm asking you at a sensitive time, I know, because very few of us won the contest. <laughs> Ian thought it was really fun. I, I, I'm a undetermined. Bruce says, yes, do more. Giveaways are pretty cool. I mean, if, it's, if it works, you know people are into it. You got 600, you know, entrants. That's pretty good, you know, for a, for a network of, I mean, I guess it's small from a sort of global Facebook piping representation standpoint, but that could grow, you know, that could only grow if you had more freebies like that. <clears throat> All right. So let me ask you this. What should our next giveaway item be? Hmm. Pipes are good, but you know, channers are pretty good too. Always people always want an extra channer or two, you know, I don't think uh, we can give away another set of pipes right away, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Rick wants a set of McDougals. Can okay. you do that? Uh, you betcha, Rick. Um, <laughs> you betcha. Send it over to us, Rick, and we'll give them away. <laughs> uh, let's see. Nice solo channer. A case. A case is good. Yeah. Pipe case. Gary says, here's, here's one of the things. We got a lot of feedback along this regard. I don't use Facebook Therefore, the contest isn't fair. Um, and um, well, you could probably mix it up, you know, like maybe make the next one, um, you know, email submissions or something like that. Somebody has to set up a little page, a mini page with a button. It's people submit their name and information or something, and you know, collect your information that way. You know, you can, there's lots of ways to do it. I think to sort of yeah. give everybody a shot. Obviously, you're on the internet. Maybe you don't use Facebook, but you know. <laughs> you're attending the show and, and watching it occasionally and, uh, and sending email and stuff. So that's, that would actually be a workable thing as well, you know? Yeah, we could try doing a non Facebook one. Um, and, uh, submissions, I bet too. I am very sensitive to, uh, to that. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but I am not a fan of Facebook. It's like not my favorite thing. I, I, I do like it for some reasons, but uh, I, I understand that some people have no interest mm -hmm. in joining it. I'm very sympathetic to that. Um, but I think in this case, you know, the purpose of the contest from our standpoint was to develop our social media following. And so, therefore, um, if you don't have Facebook, then uh, we ain't going to send you a set of pipes. Too. You could actually have like an exclusive Twitter contest as well, you know do the same thing, just spread it around to the different platforms. And, you know, if you're not part of it, then be part of it if you want to be part of the contest. But, you know, just sort of like sort of hit everybody's way in. You know, you can do a strictly web thing, strictly Facebook, strictly Twitter, you know, and just get everybody where they're at, I think, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Some people are some people are like going a little bit too deep into this. Like nobody said life was fair. That's true. <laughs> uh, yes, um, membership has its advantages. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm the boss. Yeah. So we'll, let me think about that. Maybe we can do a um, an email based one. Um, and if you email me saying you don't use email, then I'm just going to laugh at you. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, I understand. And, and for those non Facebook users, um, you know, I apologize that you couldn't participate. That was, that was the most negative feedback we received was just along the lines of Facebook sucks. And I kind of agree in a certain way. Like, uh, you'll notice if you're friends with me personally on Facebook, I'm not like on there posting all day. Cause I really, I'm not a huge fan. Sometimes when I see like a really sort of dirty joke or something, I, I'll post it or, mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. I typically like it just because a lot of times a lot of people post pictures of contests around the area and, and elsewhere. So it's good to see what's going on elsewhere. That's, a, you know, that's always fun. But other than that, it's like, you know, it's about it. Lori says, how about give away free lessons for a year or six months? That would be really easy to do. 
Yeah, Gary's saying let's open other venues. Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe maybe we'll try something like that. <clears throat> maybe or maybe not, or maybe I'll just stick. The cool th the Facebook thing for us is um, the software that we have makes it uh, easy for us to administer. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's lots of little cool things like that, right? Like it made it made that nice spreadsheet for us automatically where if we did it by email we'd have to go through every email and uh we'd have to go through every email and then and you have to get a raggedy hat right right raggedy glengarry and put them all in there we might have to go yeah. we'll have to do the raggedy hat approach so <laughs> now alan says this is your business and people will always complain no matter what um we have very few people complain ever um we that's one of the things that um we're really proud about with with the dojo is um we get markedly few complaints um i don't know i mean carl what are we up to testimonial wise like people write in and we collect them and i mean we have uh, we've been open for a couple of years and uh i don't know i don't know how many testimonials we've collected we have to figure out what we're going to do with them mind you but uh like hundreds and hundreds of uh of testimonials so um, so that's definitely we're pretty proud of, and I'm certainly not complaining that people are complaining. Uh, I'm just saying that was definitely the biggest feedback we had from that. Chris says, write a Perl script. All right, Chris, you're hired. <laughs> but, uh, all right, well, let's move on to the next topic of the day, which is along the lines of, um, I thought I thought giving away a set of polypipes and you know, it's sort of, um, you know, polypipes are good for, uh, they're a great option for people who are just starting out. But I thought we could have a little discussion about um, the very beginning stages of, of piping. And we could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, learning the pipes as a beginner and also about, you know, ways to teach beginners um, to uh, increase the um sort of success rate. So um, what are some of the things that we sent out there? I mean, Vin, what are your opening thoughts there? Well, yeah, it's, I think it's a, uh, everybody always asks that question, you know, when you say, how long does it take to play? You know, how long does it take to learn the pipes? You know, that's what I, that's a question I get asked a lot. Right. And, you know, I guess the answer is really depends on the person learning. Right. But to get up on a full set, making, you know, something, some sound that approaches music, uh, takes a little while, right? And, that's, and I think that's the biggest stumbling block. So I think, you know, um, things that make that easier tend to uh, tend to appeal to more people. You know, so the like the polypipes, you know, the synthetic bags and drum reeds. Those are all things that sort of work in a beginner's favor. You know, when they're starting out, because then they're able to actually produce something um, easier. You know, and I think that's the biggest stumbling because that's that's what leads to frustration that people will drop it right away when they can't when they struggle trying to get on, you know, the instrument and, and they realize this is just way too hard, you know, but it's not really, um, it's not as hard as anything else. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think my, my, my initial thought is like, it's a great time to be starting out, um, because they're just the things that are out there for you to, to really make it as easy as possible to really get going are, you know, you know, they're endless at this point. Yeah, totally. I mean, Carl, what do you think? I mean, you teach a lot of beginners, what are your what are your some sort of sort of uh, overarching thoughts? Well, um, it's it is a, a kind of a, a very interesting stage, right? Getting uh, from the very beginning when you have a student walk in and say, "Hey, I want to learn bagpipes," um, they're always starting out extremely passionate, like it, it, they they're super excited about it, and. Uh, you definitely have to harness that a bit and use that to to help them really achieve their goals. Um, and I think it's also important to to sit down and have a conversation about goals. You know, what what do you want to do uh, with the bagpipes? What what's your goal in learning? I know when uh, when I first started, I, I, the, my teacher said, "Well, um, you know, what do you what do you want to do? Do you want to just play bagpipes to?" Uh, you know, get them out once a year, or are you serious about learning a musical instrument? Uh, and, and my answer was, I want to play these for you know my entire life, everywhere, all you know, <laughs> any chance I get. Um, and uh, I I think that's important is that 
it's not just something that's a, you know, I think from a teacher standpoint, yeah, yeah, he didn't want to teach somebody that wasn't going to be serious about practicing um, because that can be very tough for a teacher uh, is having a student that isn't, I don't know, just kind of shows up because maybe mom told them to or um, whatever reason. Uh, so I, I think that's something as a teacher that's important to, to have that conversation about goals, but it's also important that for the student, uh, you know, why do you want to do this? What do you want to achieve out of it? And uh, you know, yeah. what can we do together? You rarely, you rarely hear somebody say, yeah, I want to learn how to play piano because I want to learn how to play happy birthday for my grandma. <laughs> you know, they, no one wants to, you know, no one says that. They want to learn piano because they like the way piano music sounds and they want to play that and they want to make that sound too, you know, or similar with some other instrument. You know, they don't learn how to play guitar because they just want to play, you know, and they want to riff out on Stairway to Heaven and impress their girlfriend and that's it, you know. And that's it. And, and you don't hear, you don't hear that kind of stuff with other instruments. You hear that a lot in bagpipes, right? And people want to, you know, I want to be able to play, you know, on St. Patrick's Day, you know, from my uncle or something or other, or my, you know, my sister's wedding. That's it or something, you know, and uh, it's not really, not really to be like a long-term investment, you know, like any other instrument would be like, you want to play it forever, you know, because you like the music. You know? I guess the point is you could learn to play happy birthday on a piano by sitting down and just figuring it out. Um, and, and you can't do that on the pipes. You're playing too many instruments at once on the bagpipes to, to be able to uh, just pick it up and try and figure it out. It's not straightforward, in other words, I guess. I, I love Tom's story, right? I, I, he says, I don't know if you call me lucky, but I was laid off, went home, decided to clean, found my old set of Sinclairs, which you find while cleaning. That's, that's the kind of cleaning job I want. <laughs> and the next day you found an instructor and practiced and started practicing, you know. There's there's a good story, you know. It's a great story. I mean, you run into a set of pipes, and then so yeah, I'll learn these. <laughs> and then you realize, you know, all you have to do is get to like a basic level of competency, and you can make more as a piper than you ever did at your job that you got laid off from. <laughs> exactly. And then if you do it, and then I, well, no, I, I won't tell it. Tell that joke. People would find it inappropriate. No, I'm going to tell it anyway. And then you know, as long as you get paid under the table, you can continue to collect unemployment. Yeah, it's great. Everybody wins. Okay, that was a joke, though. I'm just kidding. Okay, let's move on quickly before I get into trouble. I get it. You know, like I'll st before we know it, I'll be talking about West Virginia again. You know what I mean? Okay, we shouldn't do that. All right. Well, Gary asked Gary. You know, when no one talks about the background you bring to learning and how to play this instrument, and so, which is a, it's a fair point. Everybody expects, you know. When you sit down to learn, that everybody's going to be the same kind of learner, or is going to learn at the same rate, or, and and you certainly encounter that with a lot of teachers as well, right? They don't really recognize who they're teaching necessarily. They're just teaching bagpipes, you know, and they just sort of here's the way it's taught, and they just sort of throw that at you, and you're expected to adapt to it, you know, which is not always the easiest thing just by itself, think, you know. I have thoughts on this matter. I, I think it points in an interesting direction, Gary. Um, uh, what background do you bring to learning? I think one of the problems with the tip, uh, I'm going to call it the typical way of learning bagpipes, which is the way that um, I learned, although not really, I can come back to that, but just, just the, the way the tutors are arranged and, and the sort of general stigma and uh, uh, talking points and, um, you know, Scots with hay and all this stuff is that the typical way of learning bagpipes is alienating to what, uh, learning styles people already have or what learning backgrounds. For example, how many times have you heard this, which I reject, but I've heard this a million times. Just because you can play the clarinet doesn't mean you can play the bagpipes. That statement is completely and utterly false. The correct statement is just because you can play the clarinet does not mean you can learn to play the bagpipes the way that I teach it because I teach it uh, the typical way, which is alienating. It, it doesn't mm -hmm. really... Um, it doesn't really play on skills that people already have. Um, and I know Mike Eagle shares this with me as far as drumming, too. Just because you can play drums in the high school band doesn't mean you can be a Scottish snare drummer. Yes, actually, it does mean that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It does mean that. It just, you know, it has to be taught in the right way. So going back to learning styles, that's one of the main reasons that we developed the Dojo Tutor, and it's one of the main reasons why uh, we're seeing people go up on the full pipes playing fundamentally really well, um, you know, in as quickly as Carl, how quick have we done it? Like three months, four months? Yeah, I think it's been really quick. 
uh, with some students who who are really dedicated and excited and practice hard and by the way play at least one other instrument yeah um, I mean I, I've even seen some people struggle because they've learned the cello and now they just can't get it they just don't there's no way they're gonna it's like no that's not true uh, accommodating learning styles is a really important thing um, and it's it's one of the reasons we believe um, that you should come to the dojo or um, you know, or or to some of the the superstar instructors. You know, for example, um, you know, like the Stuart Little methodology. Something there is clearly working, um, and they're clearly doing a great yeah, job. There's, there's a reason why a lot of people, like who typically go through sort of mainstream orchestral instruments, you know, play several of them. And there's a reason for that because the knowledge is transferable. You know, the learning is transferable to other instruments, and. You know, the knowledge that you, you, you gain by playing music <laughs> isn't necessarily limited to whatever is in your hands at that moment. Um, it, you know, it could be moved to different things depending on your ability and inclination, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the idea that pipes, you know, are different in some, some ways is just, you know, rubbish when it, when it comes to playing other instruments. You know, yeah, you play the clarinet, play guitar, play piano, whatever. That musical knowledge is going to help you. In the long run, you know, yeah, there's a physical component that's miss that's missing, but um, the musical knowledge is is definitely something that's not going to go away, and it's only going to help. See, and then uh, Les Les is typing in here, and um, he uh, he's saying he tells students that prior musical experience may be detrimental. Um, and Les, um, respectfully, I can't disagree with you more. There, uh, to me, that seems like a contradiction. How could mm -hmm. prior musical experience be detrimental to learning a musical instrument, right? Yes. And then, uh, and then, you know, he's saying some habits need to be unlearned. Well, uh, what what habits need to be unlearned? Yeah, I mean, like anything else, the pipes have its own unique um, idiosyncrasies. You know, they, they, they're these like fingering things that are unique to the instrument and don't apply to other instruments, and you know. That's true. I mean, like the fingering for a tin whistle, for example. Okay, I can see how in that sort of strictly physical physical way uh, that would make sense. Maybe that's what uh, you're referring to. Yeah, I'm learning anything at that point. You're just learning something else, you know, learning something new. Yeah, I have a student who used to play um, saxophone in, uh, I think it was high school. Um, and... Uh, it took him a while to make that adjustment, as you were suggesting there, Andrew. It was that some of the fingers and note names were slightly different, so he'd end up on the wrong note because that was something that he was doing with the saxophone. But eventually, uh, and I've seen this with some of our students that play flute, uh, it, it just they separate in your mind, and they, they become two different things. This is the bagpipe, and this is the flute, and this is how I do it here, and this is how I do it here. and and. You know, it takes a little time, but I wouldn't say that's a bad habit or something that needs to be unlearned. It's just learning a different way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and I certainly, uh, I certainly understand the temptation to say it could be detrimental, but but mm -hmm. I think we have to be. One of the things that I'm passionate about is um, is insisting on the validity of piping as a musical form and not just a uh, ceremonial. Uh, as, as a ceremonial noise that Scottish people make, you know, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm insistent. Or, or and a I, discipline that only in a certain context. That's the thing that really gets me. It's like, you know, it is this sort of, you know, formalized thing that only has a certain context and it doesn't, and taking it out of its context, it doesn't sort of apply anymore or somehow. So, you know, the music you're playing can only be played, you know, here, here or there, you know, it can't be played anywhere else. And, um, that's certainly, you know, uh, that's something certainly we're all guilty of in some ways, you know, you know, even even um, people who play. I'm going to um, continue to disagree with Les, and and Les, um, just so you know, I'm I'm not trying to uh, uh, single you out in any way. As a matter of fact, I really appreciate you typing this stuff in. Um, uh, Les says there is a folk aspect of piping styles that are different from classical musical instruction. Um, I also disagree with that statement. Um, I think um, there are stylistic things that are different, certainly. Um, but that's but a classical musician will often be asked to play in various styles. I think it's important to identify uh, the piping style of, of play, which we do, um, which we do at the dojo um, uh, in a big way. We're defining exactly what those styles are. 
but um, but it's not different. As a matter of fact, um, I would argue that pipers, most pipers, play in the classical piping style, which is um, which is a very sort of streamlined thing, and everyone is seeking to reproduce the same style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, and and I don't know. I mean, I'm not an ethnomusicologist. Um, I know many of them, but I'm not sure exactly how you would define uh, style as being a folk style. But um, to me, the word sort of suggests that there is no uh, there is no streamlined style. Mm-hmm. That it's just it's very um, open ended and and everybody brings their own. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think what the reference more applies to a lot of these sort of. Um, Traditional environments where the you know the the learning is passed down in in this they're very you know it's very sort of familiar and traditional way like you know you look down to the south and you know sort of the Acadian accordionists you know they they, they all learn by hearing you know a lot of them don't even read music you know so there's, there's this there's this tradition of learning that sort of gets classified as folk learning you know I guess but but once you know once these musicians actually are at a level where they're you know performing and things like that there that no longer applies I mean they're they're that now the knowledge they have you know is now sort of seeping over into other things and, and vice versa you know there's other other influences coming at them that they're then applying and and it's the musical knowledge that 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 engenders that not the the folk style that they're playing or the folk you know, learning that they're that they, that brought them to this point. You know? Yeah, and in that same vein, um, I had the the pleasure of playing with an orchestra uh, in a piece called Orkney Wedding, um, and what was really interesting about that is that there is a, a stress bay in the uh, in the score um, for the whole orchestra, and the whole orchestra orchestra had no problem getting a good stress bay idiom out of it. It sounded like a, a, a stress bay should. So uh, I think even in, in that aspect, um, it, 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 is, it goes both ways. Um, any musician would be able to do that well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's certainly an interesting debate, um, and, I, and I certainly uh, respect the other point of view. But for me, I am, um, I am vehemently opposed to just... Um, agreeing that everybody has their own little folk style that they play on the pipes and that's just the way it is. Um, for me, I'm much more interested in developing our own, um, our own, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term at the moment, our own classical approach. And, uh, and that's very much what we're interested in. Lots of cool stuff coming in here. Um, Chris um, agreeing with less like Scottish fiddle Strass Bay versus piping Strass Bay. Uh, have a harder time learning Strass Bays on the pipes. I don't know. Have they been have they been have they been taught at the dojo? Because um, in, if they had, I highly doubt they would have a hard time learning a stress band on the pipes. I think Lori a little uh, earlier in this list, uh, you know, brings up a really good point in terms of like learning, you know, and starting off on the pipes. And she talks about breath capacity and blowing, um, you know, and getting tired and working on endurance and things like that. Um, it's definitely you know idiosyncratic to the pipes. You know, it's it's definitely that is the I think the major factor in, in people's success in, in the instrument, you know, outside of all of this other stuff, you know, you have to be able to play the instrument and, uh, which means you're going to have to blow into it, you know, a lot. And it's, uh, you know, how do you increase that? I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's, there's lots of, you know, tricks, but I think the, you know, if you're taught properly, I mean, if you're taught, you've got a good setup going, you know, like, you know, the dojo, there's plenty of lessons about, uh, you know, setting up your bagpipes, to be the most efficient, you know, as efficient as possible. So it puts it in your favor when you're blowing. Um, you know, that's just comes with time. You know, it yeah. just, it's just, you know, just keep playing, keep at it. Little by little, you, you will realize that you're doing it longer and longer. And, and pretty soon you'll be at a point where you won't even notice it anymore. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, uh, th- th- it's all really good. I mean, uh, yeah. So Tom said he learned quickly, seemingly as a result of um, his trumpet experience. Um, and then Les says, difference between a 2-4 and a cut common time or other implications of stress bay. Um, right. Um, yeah, I mean, there are definitely differences here, and uh, but they can be, um, they can be taught and, um, and explained. And I think we might be, I think Les and I might be agreeing, 
even though it might not seem like it. So, um, but yeah, ALAP ASAP is a good example of how we handle dot cut rhythms, um, and uh, and I agree with you. So rather than saying right, pipers express dot cuts in a very strange way or something like that, right? Rather than saying that, uh, we say, well, this is exactly how we handle the dot cut. Um, and we find it to be really helpful. Um, okay, next topic. Um, and, and this goes out to the audience too. So what are some, what are some tips and tricks that really help beginners uh, progress faster? Or something that really helped you? Um, uh, something that really helped you or something that you've done that really helped a student. Um, and uh, we can go to Vin and to Carl. Uh, and while you guys are thinking about that, let's address Heidi. I'm getting frustrated. It's difficult to find someone in my band who has the time to go over my pipes and make sure they're set up properly. Uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what I was going to say about, like, the, the things that help, you know, and make it easier, you know, and get you up faster. And that's exactly it. It's a lot of it has to do with knowledge, right? You don't even know what you don't know half the time, especially when you're starting out. And there's so many different things about this thing, this instrument that, you know, could go wrong, do go wrong. And, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, then it just goes more wrong for you. And, you know, and it is frustrating. And I'll bet you are, you know, that is, that does sound frustrating. You can't get somebody who has the knowledge to really sort of make it work for you. Um, I mean, I think that's, you know, I said that before, I think, you know, it's it's a good time because a lot of the stuff that's out there, you know, read-wise, bag-wise, and things like just put it, put it all in your favor. Even if it does go a little wrong, <laughs> it's still kind of okay. You know, it's not like the days of Kane Reeves when they went wrong, they went wrong. And it was never-ending frustration to, to try and get that to work. And if you didn't know what you were doing, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I think have heart and keep at it. <laughs> find some, Definitely find somebody. Read lots of stuff and, uh, you know. Watch classes on the dojo, you know, because it's 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 all it's all there. I think uh, I think you I think people are definitely expressing frustrations with getting the pipes set up properly, mm -hmm. um, and I I agree. We have a lot of classes about that on the dojo, and it's one of the most important things. Um, it's one of the main reasons people can't tune their pipes. It's one of the main reasons people can't blow steadily is because they're not set up and maintained properly. Um, I think I think Heidi, it might also be unlikely that. Anyone in your band really has the right idea when it comes to setting up a set of pipes mm -hmm. properly. It, it depends. I don't know what band you're from, and I don't want to make radical assumptions, but um, uh, but a lot of times, even even quote unquote good pipers don't really have uh, a fail-safe plan for setting up an instrument efficiently. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's funny. I think I'm teaching a class in a couple of weeks, um, just about doing the, the pre-contest uh, pre checks going through and setting up the, that kind of instrument. So I'll, I'll cover some of those topics here in a couple of weeks. Um, so stay tuned for that. But Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, you know, just, yeah. you know, just, yeah, you know, you play somebody's pipes who are, who was really good at it, good at it. They just are so easy to play. It's ridiculous. Like you have to like slap, smack yourself in the face, go like, why can't mine sound like that? You know, so you spend, you know, Sometimes your whole life trying to do that, you know. One of the things that's uh, uh, that's interesting is, um, yeah, like my pipes, right? I sometimes get flack uh, for my pipes being easy in or and more, but then like I, I I've oft, I've often thought, although I never bother because it would just take too long. But it's like let's put my channer in your pipes, and I guarantee you they'll be harder, right? So I'm blowing a reed that's. Um, just as hard, if not harder, than others, but because their bagpipe is not set up properly, right, and not set up efficiently, um, it seems easier. Uh, Terry Lee's pipes are always the same way. Uh, when you know, every now and then, every now and then, you'd be playing his pipes during a warm up, and it would be like you, at, at, when you first start up, you're tempted to say these feel easy. Then you just realize it was just like the the pinnacle of efficiency. So. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think, it's, it's just an interesting, an well, interesting yeah, and I think the mindset too. You have to develop, you know, as part of like you know learning the music and learning how to play the, the instrument. It's like you really have to develop a mindset of what is supposed to work, you know, how it's supposed to be, and then just really having a feel for when it and having no tolerance for when it doesn't. I think that's the that's the hardest thing I think to instill in people. Even people with lots of experience don't have that level of intolerance, you know, for imperfections. Say, 
you know, and if things are a little wrong, you have to be right on it. You can't, you can't be letting it go for whatever reason, you know, like, or put up with, you know, the idea that, oh yeah, they're a little hard, but uh, so what, or oh, yeah, my bag's a little leaky. Uh, now these reeds are taking too much air. So what, you know, no, you, you fix it because <laughs> it's, that's what you do, you know? Yeah, exactly. I remember one time when I was a kid, I, I played, uh, um, Norman Gillis's pipes and, you know, his, his pipes sounded great. And maybe in retrospect, they didn't produce a lot of volume, but they were just set up so well and, and they produce a great sort of harmonic richness. And, uh, and I, I remember when I played them, I assumed they were going to be really super hard to play and they were yeah. super, super easy. Yeah. Um, you don't want your instrument to distract from your playing. Yeah. Well, that's, I think what he's saying is like, it's just, yeah, it's like the minute you have something going wrong, it's like the only thing that's going to divert your attention away from the actual fingering and music making you're doing, you know, it's, um, you know, it's distracting. It's, you know, it interferes with your ability to actually produce some sort of music, you know, that's why you want, I guess, I guess the idea is to really have it disappear, right? You want, you want the instrument to go away, you know, when you're playing you know, it, to be so efficient that it's not even taking any thought whatsoever. It's just, it's just working. I guess that would be because it's all in the background. So now you can actually play, you know. And I think you know, it's not easy to do. I'm not going to say it's easy to do because it's it's constantly changing, right? And you're always, you know, sort of trying to make that happen. And sometimes it does, but other times it doesn't, you know. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where was I going to go with that? Oh yeah, bringing it around full circle. So we're talking about bagpipe efficiency. I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of successfully learning. And I think that's one of the reasons that um, our students that actually come here physically to the dojo, it's one of the reasons they do so well, so fast, um, is because we're very, very careful to make sure they have a really comfortable instrument to play on from day one. You know, um, and, and so that would be the biggest, I think that's one of the biggest things, is get on the pipes, you know, um, as soon as you can, and then, uh, and then make sure that they are, I mean, there's always going to be that coordination that you have to learn, but always make sure that they are set up. Um, yeah, it, it is so hard to learn that coordination on a set of bagpipes that is not efficient. Yes. Right, you are. Um, cool. Well, I think um, I think it's a good point to wrap this thing up. Um, are there any final questions or comments before we call it in here for today? We've answered them all. I think we've answered we've answered everything <laughs> about bagpipes today. So, um, so that's good. Great. Well, thanks everyone, anyone for coming, and congratulations to was it? I think it was Lester that won. Lester, we'll we'll, uh, we'll be getting those pipes out to them soon. Lucky and uh, Lucky. stiff. Um, great. Awesome. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Good day, everybody.